All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply for all the links, for all the things to keep up with everything that's going on with the ministry. You can check out down in the episode description as well as buddywalkwithjesus.com. And real quick before we get started, if you guys find value in what's going on here, if you think somebody else will find value with what we've got going on here. Uh, go ahead and share the show with somebody. Go ahead and let people know that that this is going on. And last but certainly not least, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. All right, so I want to kick in on some conversation that has been taking place and I've been getting some pushback and some questions from you guys as we've been slowly unpacking this thing that honestly I love because it shows me that you guys are paying attention because these are some of the same questions that I asked when I was first introduced to this. And so I got to start off with um, addressing guys, community, um, I got in trouble with some of our more academically minded uh, brethren recently. Um, I say that ribbing. I know you guys are listening. I love you guys. Um, but the one of the immediate pushbacks, when you start to hear about the personal relationship with God peace and you start to hear about the kingdom and you start to hear about that aspect of it is this weariness to not go too far into things like personal revelation um and and that sort of thing and making it myopic making it me centered right and and basically concocting something that is a product of your own design in what we like to call a jesus suit and that's valid that's a valid concern because you don't have to look very hard, right? Right now is not the point in time to start naming off ice cream flavors because it's like Baskin Robbins. There's 52 of these things. Like, you can have it your way. It's, you know, as as far as false gospels, as far as bad interpretations, as far as bad teachings, we've talked about this, that this is something that's been going on for time in memoriam. We literally watched the people that interacted with Jesus get it off piece. You know what I mean? So so it should not come as any big shocker that that people are off piece. And so in this case, when if you aren't grounded in the authentic Jesus of it all, if you aren't grounded by the word of God, then suddenly you have prime ground to have some really weird interpretations start to take place, right? Some some weird um, exegeting of the text to use a fifty cent word, right? And in in America, stateside, we we have this way of that becoming um, more materialistic, you know, in nature, uh, those kinds of things. What I can do out of it in other in other parts of the world, I know for some of you guys, especially over in India, that I've spoken to. It's kind of this idea that other religions start to get melded into the Christian belief. It's it's kind of that influence of other religions that while we have some of that in America, that's not necessarily the biggest manifestation of this. Now, for those of you flying the red, uh, throwing a red flag on the play, I get it. I understand that in America, we do have, um, I think the right term is neo-paganism. Um, I don't know if that's the current term or if there's already a neo-paganism and this is a post-post-modern, post-post-post, uh, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. But when next time Brother Matthew comes on, we'll ask him. Um, but we we have, so, so we do have some of that, but that's not necessarily the biggest thing. So, um 
that's first part of this conversation. And we unpack that in more stunning detail over at Kingdom on the Road. Um, not trying to cheap plug, but I'm on with two guys that are very academically forward, whereas I am very wonder forward. I am very relationship forward. Um, I, I kind of, when I speak, it's to a detriment sometimes, and I'll be the first one to admit it, but when I speak, I kind of allow other people to square the circle of the academics and where you come to me is okay we are serving the same god right we are all worshiping the same jesus no jesus suits to be seen let's move forward right i call that getting off of go so i i i i point you to them because they are the they they are guys that that really are able to articulate articulately I, I always have to have trouble with that word that they're able to articulate that that kind of um starting point right that that subject matter and there'll be links to to their stuff down in the episode description with Aunt, Brother Matthew, Andrew, so on and so forth. But the one thing that I can tell you is, you know, the concern being that that some of the same stuff that we're talking about here being a genesis point for some of those false gospels and false narratives and things like that, the number one way to avoid that is to is to to have a firm foundation in the fundamentals and and trust me as somebody who who has found somebody saying that as some of the least palatable advice that can be given oh just another christian saying to read your bible well i mean sometimes that's the answer. You know what I mean? Somet sometimes that's exactly what you need to do, right? And sometimes what you need to do is pray. And sometimes what you need to do is spend time with God. And sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just because these are, these are standardized practice does not mean it's one size fits all. And it looks exactly the same for everybody. We use over on Kingdom on the Road, we use the analogy Ant mentioned getting up at ass nine o'clock in the morning, right? And and he mornings his time spending with God, whatever. It's it's when he it's when he can carve out time and spend time. And I bust his chops because that's not necessarily my bag, and, and it's more of ribbing. But I, if 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 it's first thing in the morning, it's first thing in the morning. If it's two o'clock in the morning because the family's finally asleep and you just got done with work or whatever. Uh, cool go go in peace the the specifics are not are, are irrelevant right it's 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 carving out time purposefully to spend time with god and i go back to the analogy of the athlete right if i i i'm i am training for a spartan race um i've never done a spartan race uh for those of you that don't know i am a power lifter um, I am a former mixed martial artist. I, I used to play football. I am, am an athlete. And so, so I understand that sometimes it's just a matter of stepping onto the field and doing what you need to do, going for a run, practicing, doing these things. And, and, and it's because the end game of it all is to get on the field and play or to get to the meet and lift or to run the race or whatever, right? And so we go through and we do the things necessary to go towards that that end game, right? Out of out of the desire to participate out of a desire to do that thing. Now, where this gets weird and this kind of goes, this this starts to dovetail into the other part of the objection is where where you start to question, what, 
I, I thought it wasn't about works. Right? I was just talking to a friend of mine and his teenage uh, kid comes up to him and, and she asks, you know, you, you talk about this, this immersive relationship. He speaks kingdom as well. It's, it's one of the, the few people in my life who, who really do fundamentally get this kingdom language thing, that get this, that, that this side of it and this aspect of it and all of that kind of stuff. And we're talking and, and, and the kid's like, you know, I, I thought you, you know, you, you, you talk, you speak very highly of the relationship portion, but then you talk about all of these things that we have to do. I thought it wasn't about doing things. And out of the mouths of babes, right? Like, that's that's a question that I listen to adults struggle with. I listen to all kinds of people struggle with. I struggled with it because I had seen the execution of all of this done poorly. And so I was very weary, and I say very weary, very weary, as uh, I'm I'm not doing it justice. It it was, it was unhealthy, at its uh, at its at its worst points. Where where I, I would kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. I would I would if if it smelled of legalism. I didn't want anything to do with it. If it was an, a potential on ramp for legalism. I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, you throw a lot of things out. You throw a lot of good practices out, and you really invite bad execution of the text by doing that. And um, if uh, I don't, I at this point, um, at this point of telling my story enough times, I don't, I don't nearly feel as much of a pull to talk about how humans can get it wrong as I do to display the authentic thing, right? Display di display the authentic Jesus of it all. So I'm going to try and stick to those parameters rather than going into all of the dovetails about how we can get this wrong, right? And so as we, um, as, as you go forward, uh, executing on these things and processing these th these things, you got you have to spend time with God. You have to spend time in scriptures. You have to spend time because you understand the heartbeat of God. You understand the personhood of Jesus. You understand the very character of God. And this gets into a whole thing of can we know God? I think there are certain aspects of divinity things like the trinity right how jesus could be all man and all god right simultaneously how god views time you know i i have my theories because i like i like quantum physics i'm a nerd um and so i have i i personally think quantum theory points to a creator um, I know a lot of my scientific contemporaries do not necessarily agree with me, but I do think that quantum physics points to a creator, and and so I I think that that you know you can you can pull at these things and and all of that, but you you really need to understand the purpose of it all, the big picture of it all, the continuous narrative that's pointing to Jesus ultimately in order to understand what this whole kingdom thing's about, in order to understand what this whole God thing's all about, in order to understand who and what Jesus actually was. And and guys, I, I can't... There's, there's no other way of negotiating your way around that other than putting in the reps. And, and whether you are in another country and you are you are part of um, <laughs> our, 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 our wonderful team of people and I don't just mean our like buddy walks team I mean there are so many of you that are doing so much across the world to advance the gospel whether you are there or you are a mom and a dad or or just 
um, you know, a person, but, but not 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 married, not kids. It does, you don't have to be married or kids, but I'm just juxtaposing here. You know, whether whether you are you are um, you know the the standard it's for from my data, a lot of you guys stateside that are listening are um, not to insult anybody, but middle aged and you know and and parents and and that sort of that 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 sort of model and um regardless of where you fall in all of that there is value there is strength that comes from a firm biblical knowledge that leads to a biblical world worldview in a christocentric perspective that's number one right we 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 have squared that circle from an academic standpoint in no way shape or form am i telling you to neglect academics quite the opposite because we have we have the source material guys we have the source material for truth we have the we have the even down to the law right we we noted it stood out to me right there's a section of the law where it's the first time that we see addressed uh, of um, a member of of Israel that had no sons, only had daughters, and so the daughters go to Moses and say, "Well, our our dad doesn't have any sons. When when the when we get to the promised land and the allocation of land happens, our our genealogy will be stricken. You know, we won't get anything, and and all of that kind of stuff, and and." Moses turns to God and and there's we we see that the law was not designed in a way that's all encompassing all comprehensive to address every single matter every single time and we see that same spirit advanced to where Jesus addresses these things and addresses these concepts and addresses how we are to operate and you notice this through line that what does Moses do? Moses addresses the spirit of the law. What does Jesus do? He addresses the spirit of the law and gets past that surface layer. And that is beautiful execution of, of what, what we are seeing displayed through God's people through God. Right, and those are things that don't stand out unless you spend purposeful time in the text, spend purposeful time in the source material, and spend purposeful time with God. Okay, that is number one. Right, so good, we have gone there. Now, let's let's switch gears here for a second to the other part of what the big the big form of pushback that I have heard and the big form of question that a lot of you guys have had. So when we focus on the individual relationship, the danger becomes that we can ignore the overall collective and that manifests in a couple of different ways. That can manifest in something that, like a, a self-centered gospel that is about what I can get, right? What I can pull out of this, what I, about what I do for God, right? Or or what, what I receive from God. And that I don't have to worry about how I treat people, you know, because we because it's it's on an individual basis and while while to say those things out loud might seem like well yeah no of course i wouldn't do something like that we we've seen it for for time and memoriam right the show commuter christian shout out to those guys um has been do, they've been doing a really good walkthrough of the history behind it all right different groups from throughout history that that showcase the fact that these concepts they're generational 
and they just have different names. There's nothing new under the sun. The the context might look a little bit different, but the substance of it all is just another version of what is ultimately some version of a self-centered gospel and things like that and and a and a self-centered approach and it being about me, 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 me. And it can sound like if you don't have the full context when we're talking about kingdom, it can talk or it can sound like we are trying to make this all all about us, right? All about the individual, nothing about the corporate. And honestly, some do. On the other hand, you have the add-on of as long as, you know, I want to elicit transformation as long as you buy my book, as long as you think like me, as long as you vote like me, as long as you have the same ideals that I have and, and those kinds of things. And so we have this way of making the individual the most important piece and losing sight of the message that goes along with it. And so that's 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 a, a question that like where's where's the line between this between putting too much emphasis and how does all of this fit in to the larger corporate structure, right? You know, we we there's nothing new under the sun. And that's part of what I've been dealing with recently. I can't unsee what I've seen. Um I I'm going through a um, a, like a like a public reading of the Bible, and we're deep in the Old Testament in in Second Kings currently, and reading through the lineage of the kings, and reading through the Old Testament, and looking objectively through the, the, through this world, you notice that these things they're not new. These bad takes, they're not new. People getting this wrong, they're not new. People putting themselves first, they're not new. You know what I mean? Like, none of that is new. And so, in order to really understand these things, we need to boil it down. And so, I want to I wanna turn to the scriptures for, for a minute. And, and see what the Bible has to say about all of this. So I want to start off by jumping into first Peter. I'm going to start at chapter three and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV for all of these, these verses that I'm going to throw out there. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though not for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's go ahead and jump over to um, Romans 8. I'm going to be starting at um, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh and to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For if for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of the sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in or what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, I, I debated a little bit with stopping there because what I just touched on is the precipice for um, an entirely other conversation about predestination this and about what is predestined, what is the will of God. The will of God is that no man shall perish. And there are aspects of this that are predestined. Heaven, hell, Jesus was not plan B. You know, God didn't create mankind not expecting mankind to go backwards. And then, oh, man, okay, so I have to, I have to, you know, the, these guys messed up. So I need something new. All right, let's make the law. Ah, oh, that didn't work. They didn't get that. Okay, let's make Jesus. Jesus was always plan A. And so we have to understand that in the midst of all of this, there are some aspects of this that we just have to take a step back and understand that God is outside of linear time as we know it. The laws of time-space do not apply to God. There's a whole theory out there called branch theory that um, I personally, being a giant nerd, thinks I think that that really does a very good job of explaining a possible way in which God views time. Um, but 
again, that's theory. Uh, we, that's something that we will not ever know, and I'm not interested in spending too much time there because that's an entirely other conversation. And it's one that's interesting, but ultimately not theology prime. Not ultimately not the core fundamentals. Uh, if you ask certain Facebook groups, they'll debate me on that one. But I digress. So we see here this language of inheritance, of kinship, of sonship to God, right? And so one of the ways that I put this to somebody recently is what I'm doing here is I'm taking the Bible at its word when it talks about the inheritance that we have, when it talks about the um, the kind of uh, relationship that we have as sons and daughters of the king, as brothers and sisters of Jesus, as part of the family, right? That's not hyperbole. It says it all over the Bible. If it was hyperbole, then there are other illustrations to be drawn. Especially for that time. That time, for that time that this was being written, the people that would have been first reading this, the, the first set of people that would have been digesting this information, would have understood this idea of bondservanthood of royal requirement as um, subjects of a king, right? That would have been language that would have been way more reachable. So if, if it were saying that, then it would have said that. That language was present. We've seen it everywhere in the Bible, right? We've seen it Old Testament. We've seen it New Testament. But that's not what we're talking about here. And if you look at these two different works, right? First Peter, obviously the first letter from Peter. Peter being one of the people who walked with Jesus, right? The second part that I read from Romans, that's written by Paul. That's part of the Pauline... Um, uh, literature and section of of the new testament and this is a man that he persecuted the the way as it was originally called and he but but he was he held to the law right there's other parts of the uh, of of his writings that speak about how if there were anybody who could hold themselves as holy as a result of following the law, it was him. But he missed the point. <laughs> the point was Jesus, right? He missed the, the, greater, the, the greater thing going on in all of this. And so, so what, what we're seeing here both of these men, and he had his his radical come to Jesus moment when he, um, you know, met met Jesus in, on the road to Damascus, right? When he was struck blind and and then was 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 healed and this and that and and the entire story of how Saul becomes Paul, right? And so so you have two men. Different stories, different contexts, different trip-ups, right? Because both men have their limitations on display in the scriptures. That's part of why I, I don't know, I, I kind of vibe with Peter, right? He's stubborn. He doesn't get it right away. He's not the holiest dude. He's not the most, he, he, he thinks he's doing well and going like a bull in a china shop. And yeah, there are aspects of, of Paul in that too, but... I, I vibe with with Peter in certain regards, right? And 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 that's why I think his his conversion and when you hear the the words of wisdom coming out of his coming out of his mouth, right? 
uh, as as we advance in the scriptures it's a beautiful portrayal of the transformative nature of exposure to jesus and both of these men speak of speak in terms of active language coupled with a hope that has not fully been realized you know i think there's a lot of people that can vibe with what i'm about to say i can't wait until the aches and pains they're not there i can't wait until there is an existence that is not subject to the decay of the carbon-based life form i can't wait for that and we hear that language of the redemption of our bodies and, and the fact that we will step into an incorruptible flesh. Um, and, and, and that, to me, screams hope, right? That is literally what, what the Bible is getting at when it talks about the hope of things that have not been realized, but also juxtaposed again with this living hope this present relationship that we have this present time that we have and and there is this side argument that personal revelation and and this personal relationship is a newer concept when you look at the lineage of church history and you look at the the timetable so to speak that personal relationship is a new concept but i argue that point right personal relationship personal revelation but sorry i i i reset personal relationship what i meant to say was personal revelation might uh have a newer flavor you know that that's that's its own thing that's that's where you absolutely start to get into heresy but we see over and over and over again that old wisdom is presented in new ways. That Holy Spirit, who indwells the believers actively, guides our steps, forms our thoughts, forms who we are, forms this, this new creature, this new being, using wisdom that's already been established using principles that have already been established so it's not about getting some kind of new revelation from god it's about getting the point of what all of this has been working towards in the first place it's about living by the principles and the authority of god that that has that sanctifies us that sets us apart as holy and set apart as children of god and we have that personal relationship by way of Holy Spirit in our lives that we don't have to we're not we don't have to worry about coming as a herd to God for God to only speak to the herd that there is this personal aspect to it so I'm not trying to take what isn't there and to force it into because we see this same kind of language within the forefathers right these biblical titans that we have this way of looking up to we look up to paul we look up to these different people um i think more people look up to paul than look up to peter but i digress um you know and and, and that that kind of relationship we we need to understand that these guys were saying this too but the one thing that none of this says is to only focus on you or to only be concerned about the individual relationship and not to worry about anybody else. So let's jump back into it. We are now in Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to go ahead and start at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places 
by the blood of Jesus. Again, this is not about us. We have covered that, right? If we are to have the proper um, perspective on all of this, it's not about what we get out of it. It's not about what we bring to the equation. Literally, the author and progenitor of our faith, the Alpha and Omega, is God, right? He is the origin point for all of this. So we have to have, make sure that we're that we're we're holding that perspective. So that's the perspective that we're going into this. We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain that is through our flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And I'm going to rapid fire through a couple more. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you and you also are to love one another. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Mark 12. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him which commandment is the most important of all. Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And lastly, James 1, 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We are um, constantly inundated with messaging that says, look out for yourself first, put yourself first, right? And... Even in the the Christian world, it's no big heavily guarded secret that you don't have to go very far in order to find different examples of believing yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, making yourself the lead character in all of this. When in all actuality, the lead character isn't us in any way, shape, or form. It is 100% God. And, and again, we see this manifest in, in dozens of different ways. And, uh, you know, yeah, I guess if it's helpful, we can take time to talk about that. But that's not really the, the most important part of all of this. Sure, this is how you don't do it. But let's talk about how you do it. Let's talk about the God of it all, right? That's the most important part. So how do you how do you make sure that you that you aren't hedging into self-importance or a me-centered gospel? A couple of things. One, we already talked about it. You you make sure you hold fast to scripture. If it conflicts with scripture, then it's got to go. You're spending time in prayer, in conversation with God. Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is not a monologue. 
And from that point, you go through and, and, and take, take an honest inventory about who is at the heart of what you're doing. Are you the most important thing involved? Or is God the most important thing involved? And if God is mo the, the most important thing involved, then are you actually taking time to to do the things that we're called to do and this isn't this guys unfortunately the 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 coming together as a community and 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 talking about pure and defiled religion and all this kind of stuff so many of these verses have been used as a scare tactic means to 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 shame believers into doing more and doing more works and works being the most important thing and all of those kinds of things that that unfortunately has been taken to a weird place of guilt and shame and condemnation friends that is not in any way shape or form what i am trying to do i am trying to highlight god in all of this and i am trying to answer the question how do you stop this personal relationship piece from becoming me-centered. The reality is, is that 100% out of the, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, is, is why we, ha we can talk about this kingdom thing. He seeks to, to have that relationship with us. He loves us. And thus, we by way of Jesus, have inheritance that we can hope in. And we get the open opportunity to be able to grow in our relationship with God. We get to know Him better. And that's the point of all of this. When I say things like, we can talk about salvation without talking in terms of death burial and resurrection that we can have more of an extended conversation it's not because i'm trying to neglect what happened on the cross no not at all that's the only reason why we get to have this conversation in the first place again i am simply taking the bible at its word to to put faith in god that everything that he says is legit right and so, no, it's, it's, if we can get out of this idea that this is somehow weirdly, um, you know, it, uh, either, either, or no, it, it's, it's exactly not that like it's, it, 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 this is a, this is a yes. And sort of prospect not an either or sort of thing and so having the academics doesn't mean that we don't have relationship and we don't have that spiritual component and we don't have that vibrant one-on-one -on -one aspect to all of this nor does relationship mean that we neglect our responsibilities or the academics or anything like that? It all works together. And if we are focused on God, if God is at the center of all of this, then all of uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will fall into place. So the the more the deeper we get into this the more that we understand that this is not a matter of compartmentalization this is the existence that God talks about because slugging through this stuff to get to the good stuff it that's a sick joke that's not that's not life that's not life but when we focus on God, when we interact with him, when we engage with him and we seek after him, guys, the beautiful thing is, is that we will find him. He says that. The Bible says that. That's gospel. 
we get the benefit of serving the only God that's ever been known by man to to have that open relationship aspect, to have that loving aspect. And as a result of loving God, we love others. As a result of loving God, we are servants to others. We put others first. And that, that is where all of this stems from. That's why this isn't a me-centered thing. That this is, this is a God-centered thing. And it's important that we don't lose sight of that in the effort of trying to concoct a Jesus that we want to pick and choose. This individual relationship is not an excuse to neglect who Jesus actually is, who God actually is, who the Holy Spirit actually is, and what the Bible actually says. No, it's taking all of that seriously. It's, it's taking that at its word and believing in that and receiving the faith to go out and enact in, on our responsibilities. I hope that cleared it up as we continue to unpack these things. Um, I'm loving all of the questions that I'm getting from you guys. And I think we're on to something good here with really trying to exercise what this kingdom peace means, what this relationship with God means, and how that affects our everyday life. Because when we talk about hope, we're not just talking about hope in heaven. We're talking about something that we can focus on and we can put stock in now. That that we can see the transformative nature of exposure to Jesus now. I look at my life. I look at my wife's life. I look at family's life. I look at people's lives. I look at this world. And I, there's, there's no unringing the bell that exposure to Jesus changes lives. And so taking the Bible at its word to take that seriously, yes, all of the other side stuff is all the, the side conversations and everything that leads up to this all matters. But ultimately, this is the existence that God is calling us into. Life in the kingdom and life abundantly. So with that, I love you guys. Catch you guys next week.